0: Okay, bonus pod. What's up now? We've made some upgrades to our technical equipment. Still out of LA Live. Still not in my house in Manhattan Beach. Still kicking it in Malibu. Saw Brad Gilbert today, NBD. Didn't really know what to say to him, so I didn't say anything. But I'm getting a little more used to my Malibu lifestyle every day. You, you kind of head into the mainland there and, uh you know, whatever. And then I guess... uh We'll get to everything that's going on here, because I'm waiting for the go-ahead on a, on a text to tell another story. But as of right now, you no know Manhattan Beach House. I'm not even worried about it anymore. I'm leaving for Chicago tomorrow to go to the Combine. I'll be there for a few days. So we were going to maybe just do the one from Chicago. But since I'm taping with Jacoby and doing Hoop Streams, which is our new Twitter show for ESPN and the NBA, I'm right across the street. So I thought, hey, you know what? Let's go in now. We'll throw some thoughts down on a microphone. So, yes, earbuds, not the headphones previously. I know there have been some complaints because I think what was happening is you were hearing the audio I was hearing through my headphones and then back into the microphone because of the way the studio is set up. So, you know, this is just – I'm like doing engineering stuff on top of that. Speaking of engineering, I am in a good mood uh, despite nothing really quite working out and – all my stuff still being in storage and living out of a couple suitcases because I'm living right on the water and I'm hoping to share a story with you about that that we alluded to last week, but still waiting to get the go ahead on it. But yeah, I was, um, I was hanging out. I was reading a book, jumping in and out of the water and started messing with, uh, with this sand canal and started working on just trying to re rig the whole water dispersal from this mountainside into the ocean, and then I thought, man, if anyone ever saw me, they'd go, what was Rusillo up to today? And be like, you know what? I think he was really high making sandcastles by himself because there's no way um he, like you couldn't do that not high. Well, I did it not high, although I'm not, ai wouldn't say not a big pot smoker. I, I'm not remotely into it. Um, not anti it though. Fight your fight. So uh yeah, that's my day today. So, you know, anytime outside, anytime with the water, I'm always in uh pretty good spirits. So that's an update on that. Shouts out to you.
1: Pro, yeah. uh, not anti, but not pro weed, russilla. Yeah,
0: right. Like, I think there are people that are too into weed. Well, especially
1: there, especially on Venice and, like, the, have you, have you met the, what is it, the devil at Venice Beach yet? Guy that just walks I've, around in a devil costume?
0: I've seen it all. I mean, I've been around before. When you walk around Venice, it just reeks of dope the entire time. And, yeah, dude's in green it's, scrubs. It's uncool to, yeah, the green scrubs guy. I saw him. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like uncool to say like you have any problem with it whatsoever. But I would say like, if you've devoted your life to it, maybe you're too into it. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, never, never did anything for me. And I've always said for years, I felt like guys in college that had no personality whatsoever, nothing to add to a group at all, always get the benefit of the doubt and really a social pass. (laughs) Just because they smoked weed late at night. Definitely. So they, yeah. So they'd be like, he's oh, interesting now. All of a yeah. What's up with Topher? Oh, he's just so mellow. He's a cool dude. I'd be like, you know what? It's been three years. I haven't seen him do anything cool. He's never said anything funny and girls need to stop hooking up with him because he, he's not that like once he's out of this little cocoon of the dorm and having an eighth, it's over for Topher. It's over. If Topher has to go into a bar in New York City, guys in suits, coming from AIG Topher's got no shot it, it's it's guy in happy hour suit guy with the tie off he's minus 10 he might be 11 by the time happy hour even starts <clears throat>
1: honestly so, though if you're if you're going to be a stoner like post-college too, you got to be like Mike from Chicago that guy used to always call on life advice at least he was like entertaining and he seemed like he had personality
0: yeah I'm not saying all guys are void of personality I've met great guys who love weed great dudes but, you know, you start working construction and guys are getting high before you're going 40 feet up on a ladder. I mean, maybe it locks you in. Me, personally, I don't want to be hanging on to a 12-inch runner going, all right, man, the Almond Brothers are... Oh, Dicky Betts is so tight right here. <laughs> so, let's get to basketball. Because I didn't want to do just all basketball all the time, but as this pod starts cranking up... This is kind of what we're doing. So we got the lottery. I've got a little Phoenix Orlando exercise for you. I have a Are the Celtics Good part seven uh for you because of just hearing stuff out there. Again from contemporaries, because I'm still consuming a lot of this stuff and going, Oh, that's good. That's a really good point. That I don't like that much. But I think we start kind of recapping of you know where we are after last night with Golden State taking down Houston. Now, all along, especially when Houston was rolling the way they were. And I think, Saruta, I want you to jump in here at some point too, though. But like when Golden State finishes up seven and 10, and Curry's not playing, by the way, it's not like they finished seven and 10 with everybody, but the defense is slipping. There's an overall malaise to a team that still is like a 60 win team and probably could have won 70 if they really wanted to that people, and it happens and it happens so much with game ones where it turns into this thing, remember when the Rockets had 50 points against the T-Wolves in a quarter in that first-round matchup, and you're going, oh my gosh, like this might be the the team, this might be the best team Golden State's had to face. No, Oklahoma City, I think, is better than this Houston team that was up 3-1 on Golden State, and you guys know me, that I'm not like the biggest Thunder dude of all time. And that Cleveland team that came back from 3-1 in that same playoff year, 2016, that team, I believe, is better than Houston. But Houston, yes, they figured something out. I give Daryl Morey all the credit in the world, like defenders, just horrifying from three. But when you watch them over the course of the season, you go, there's not a lot to prepare for here. There are not multiple sets with multiple actions. We know they're an ISO-heavy team. So I had not given up on Golden State because I'll admit, I probably like Golden State too much. But if you're telling me I like Golden State too much, I'd I just be like, okay, fine, because that's that's what it is. Like I believe this is... Within the conversations of the greatest teams we've ever seen assembled in this league, and I've said that numerous times, and maybe they are the greatest. So I was never off of them, even with the seven and ten going into this. I still think sweeps are really hard. Bad teams don't get swept when it's an eight one matchup. You know, Minnesota gets a game. San Antonio, that team is not good this year. They got a game against Golden State. You know, Utah actually is much better than say Minnesota or San Antonio, but they got a game. So I, you know, I don't like the who do you think is going to win the series? I go, well, I'm, you know, I think it's golden state and I actually don't think they have a ton to fear because I feel like their best is far better than what Houston is. And Houston is not that tough to prepare for. And unless they're just going to shoot the lights out, like, I don't know if they're going to do that four times against a golden state team when things are going wrong, it's, Hey, we'll pass it to that other top 20 or maybe even top 10 NBA player. And that's why this current group is so special. So, I never got off of the Golden State thing, but even with last night, I thought some of the overall reaction, again, in the NBA world, and I'm talking about guys on air and all that stuff, where it's, okay, well, this whole Houston thing was a waste of time. Well, let's see game two first, okay? Let's see game two, and Houston could win it. Uh, it's not going to make me go, oh, wait a minute. Now, maybe is Golden State in some trouble here. But there is always that human element of we're a pretty good team. We won 65 games, and we got kind of, I don't know, it's weird. They didn't get really run off the floor, but the final score makes it look bad. But if you watch the entire game, it felt like Golden State was very much in control. But if you go to the very first five or six minutes of game one, as much as Houston is ISO heavy, that was too much. That was too much. Like there were no, I was tracking. I think they had their second assist at the end of the first quarter, or maybe there was one assist through the first seven minutes. And not that Golden State was pinging it all over the place themselves, but there's. Iso basketball, and then there's Iso basketball where it's okay, this is game one against Golden State. We need a second movement. They weren't doing any of the Clint Capella high screen and roll dive to the hoop, dump it down to you. Golden State was staying locked on shooters, and I do think Houston started finding some things later on in the game, despite the loss, where they go, okay, wait a minute. If they are glued to our perimeter guys, I need to start thinking drive and finish. Um, it, you know, and Harden started doing some of those things. So I would, I would think. As ISO and non-passing as Houston has been all season, this is who they are, to start the game, it was, it was almost too much. And then I think there was so much time off between the end of the second round and game one that you felt like Houston and even Golden State, to some respect, were kind of too much rest tired. But that's the thing with Golden State. You can get it to four, and Houston did, and it still doesn't feel like it's much. Uh, Houston also had a five-minute stretch. It was exactly 4.45 until Gordon hit a bucket where Houston hadn't scored that time. You know, Curry doesn't have a great game, although if you factor in that Nick Young hit three really good threes there, I think it was three, uh, that kind of makes up for Curry not having, like, an all-timer Curry game. But you don't need an all-timer Curry game when no one can defend Durant. And then Clay, I think on eight shots that were open, the way they tracked it, he had 17 points on the eight open shots. So... The other part of this, and I'm going to let you jump in here, Sridhi, in a second, is that then it turns into, because Daryl Morey came on my show and he said, we're obsessed with the Warriors, we're obsessed with the Warriors. It's all we think about. I love that people are using it. It is a really good quote. We knew when it happened, it was a good quote, but it's also kind of the job, isn't it? If it's Golden State in front of everybody and they are this great team, you have to figure out a way to add pieces. Now, If you were Houston and you looked at who you were last year and Chris Paul becomes available, would you go, well, does Chris Paul help us beat Golden State? Or do we add Chris Paul because he's Chris freaking Paul? You add Chris Paul. But I am nervous for Chris Paul and even to agree Harden, because you guys know how much I love Chris Paul. But if they were to lose to Golden State, say they lose in five, you say they get swept. I still want to see what game two looks like here before we're going, all right, Golden State, greatest team of all time. You know, they swept in the whole deal because it's also looking at who the East is. It feels a little bit like Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl when the Colts beat the Bears. And if the Pats are new, like the AFC team is looking at the NFC that year going, please, we want to be the team that gets out because that's a ring for us. Cause that Bears team wasn't very good, but it'll be a, well, Daryl, it didn't work again. Feel free to offer up all the other moves that are available to make that a team can put together a squad that's going to beat Golden State because I think the list is zero. Um And the other part will be the blaming. It's it's amazing how often I feel like sports in general, no one ever wins. It's just somebody to blame. And if you want to blame anybody, if Houston can't turn this thing around and they get run out of four or five games, you actually have the only thing you can blame is golden state's greatness breath. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think you tweeted
1: last night, the whole thing about like, let's not blame Harden and Paul if they lose this series, but that's That's what's going to happen. I mean, people are going to be like, Oh, they came up short again. Look at those two losers. And you're like, well, everybody else is a loser. If that's what we're comparing this to.
0: So yeah, like that won't be fair. That won't be like, I look at this as, you know what Houston did. And maybe it's just my whole thing. Like, they put together a plan. They made their team even better. They added an arguable top 10 guy in Chris Paul who, you know, look what he did against Utah, but they didn't, you know, they could have beaten him again at some point and Mitchell got hurt in that whole thing. But I, I don't want to turn this into, oh, this, you know how I used to always do that test with Danny or Van Pelt when I'd be co-hosting and I'd say, did someone we, not necessarily even have to respect, but somebody, is it somebody who said it that has a platform or is it just somebody said it? And I'm guilty of it. I'm better at pointing out other people doing it wrong, but I'm guilty of it too, but I'm gonna to try to keep doing that and going, All right, like do you think it would be some do you think someone you respect, Sarudi, as a basketball voice, will say, Oh, well, figures, Chris Paul, James Harden, what have they ever done on their own? No, and
1: that's coming from someone who before this year was definitely not buying into all this James Harden hype because I was like, I can't get game six out of my mind last year. But yeah. To me, this year, and I'm not saying this, this, you know, even, even if they were to lose, like I, I'm not saying it takes away what that disappointing Game Six loss last year or anything that Chris Paul not making the Conference Finals for however many years. But I'm not going to sit here and go, well, they blew this thing, because they're clearly not the better team. That's that's the, I mean, that's just the wild thing about this. Like, yeah, the Rockets could win this, I mean, the Warriors could lose this series, but it wouldn't be because they're not the better team. It would be because the Rockets went all got all time hot or something, or something, or an injury happened. Like, let's be honest. Well, like, injuries do Period. Right. Yeah, and right. no, like, then injuries. Exactly.
0: I was listening to somebody the other day. like, "Well, if Steph goes out, I'd be like, oh, so if they lose a top five player, they're not going to be as good." Yeah. Like, like, who gets paid for this stuff? And also, like, counting on that is stupid. Like, that
1: that that's that's not like, you. That shouldn't be a caveat you're allowed to say. Exactly. Now, I would
0: understand if I were GM of a team. I would go, "Hey, who knows? We've seen definitely. I mean, that's how why many you bring years? in Chris Paul. Yeah, we've actually been kind of lucky this year, playoff injury wise. Am I missing anybody?" That's really significant. Well, other than, other than Kawhi, I mean. No, but yeah, I mean, that one doesn't. But not in the playoffs. That one doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. I mean, think about all the years in the playoffs where guys are going down left and right. And you go, oh, so, you know, you keep The closest yourself. thing we had was Jalen Brown. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I thought of it and I wasn't even going to bring it up. Speaking of, uh, the Celtics here. So let's do this game because I, uh, disagree with Rachel Nichols. She did a, a really awesome open on the jump about, you know, let's, cause now it's turned into the Celtics are awesome. And that, like, because I've been the, wow, this is incredibly surprising. I can't believe this. Um, you know, it's not that I can't believe they did what they did to Cleveland in game one. It's it's more of, wow, the Celtics are going to come out of the East. And I think if they do, it'll then be the revisionist history of we should have known all along how good the Celtics team was. And I'm like, really? Um Okay, so you're telling me if a team with Rogier, Horford, Jalen Brown, and a rookie in Jason Tatum at the beginning of the year, I said, yeah, they'll come out of the East. You would have gone, yeah, I could see that. Well, of course not. And we also didn't, as much as I love Tatum and thought he should have been the number one pick and felt like totally like, wait, wait a minute, Ainge, the best GM in the league, is like doing this for Tatum? Maybe, maybe I, you know, maybe Tatum is going to be this good. Even this is asking a lot of any kind of rookie. So what was happening was in the the Celtics are really talented and don't say they're under man thing. And yes, I think when you lose Kyrie right before the end of the regular season going into the playoffs, it's asking a lot to step up. And then it becomes the the, who do we give all the credit to. And I give credit to Ainge because he's unbelievable and still has a chance to get a top three pick for the lottery. And he still has future picks. He could have four first-rounders, depending on what happens in the lottery tonight, next year. Um, he can he can basically package anything together for the next disgruntled guy. Or he could say, I think Tatum's going to be a top-15 guy, and I'll just keep his rookie contract here for a little while while I still have depth all over the place. Because they have to make Rozier and smart decisions. And it's going to be just, I don't know, man. It feels almost impossible. But the Celtics' ownership through the years has been terrific on paying. When is so, Rozier up, by the way? Two years? So no, he's the same class. So it's, it's one more year and then the fifth year option. Okay. Yep. So that's kind of how that works. Like they could do an extension this summer if they want, or they can keep it the qualifying offer. But the problem for them is then they'll have like all of their guards up at the same time. So I can, um, I can double check that for you here because I don't want to give out bad information on this podcast. All right. Waiting patiently for a text. Have not gotten it yet. Um, what else is going on? How's Will Kane doing? He's doing great.
1: He's, uh, we did a, have told you about this, the, the way to fix the lottery, even though I don't think you are on board with it. Um, no, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are holes. I just think it's entertaining. It's basically taking all the lottery teams, or not even lottery teams, just the teams that didn't make the playoffs and playing in a single Mason tournament to determine who the top three picks would be instead of just doing ping pong balls.
0: Yeah. I, I'm all for trying to figure out a way to solve the tanking thing because at its core, when, you know anybody that whenever you say hey teams losing on purpose is that good well of course not so that's a problem all right so Kyrie's the player option the summer of 2020 and smart is a qualifying offer before that Rozier is qualifying offer 2020 all right so there you go all right so What, what I've heard in this pro, this, this super talented team, it's, it's just so ironic to me as the guy that stuck up for Al Horford forever, like had a weird obsession with him. But yet I still know who he is and I know who he isn't. But now everybody, everybody's telling me, well, he's a number three pick. Jalen Brown's a number three pick. Jason Tatum's a number three pick. Marcus Smart is all of a sudden awesome. He's like a third guard on every team he's on. But since he went sixth, that it's this loaded, loaded team because everybody's just going by the draft pick thing. And Jalen may end up being a stud. Uh, I was wrong, as wrong, as right as I was about Tatum, I was as wrong about Jalen Brown because it was just, it was a weird thing to watch. And it was a really weird draft year that year too. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that you can just say, well, anyone that didn't realize the Celtics were this talented, uh, well, if we want to do that, if we want to do the draft pick thing, then how about this one for you? The Sixers. They have a 1, a 1, a 3, a 1 that doesn't play in faults. J.J. Redick and Sarich. That's 5 top 12 picks. We'll call it 4. But I would be told, well, oh, wait a minute, they're young. So then it's Al Horford's the difference. The Lakers have a 2, a 2, and Ball and Ingram. Randall's 7. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is the 8th pick. Brook Lopez is 10th. So that's 5 top 10 picks. This is my favorite one. Charlotte has... Nine, excuse me, eight top 12 picks. Dwight, Marvin Williams, Michael Kid Gilchrist, so that's a one, a two, a two, Cody Zeller's fourth, Kemba's ninth, Frank Kaminski's ninth, and, uh, Frank Kaminski's, sorry, uh, Malik Monk's eleventh, and, um, you got Lamb twelfth. That's eight guys in the top 12 so now you're going wait a minute those guys aren't any good my point is you can't just go well all these picks were high that's why the celtics are really good so as i've listened to that a little bit more i just i went through all of these teams there are teams most teams have a ton of lottery picks because when they get drafted that high they stay on the team so nobody would go like if the Lakers had a decent season, would we say, "Well, it makes a ton of sense" because Randall was the seventh pick and he was awesome? Now, like some of these teams, some of these leagues, or excuse me, I should say seasons for these teams and a league season, you just run out of guys to pick. Sometimes even early, like the Jalen Brown draft. You're like, well, "Do I take Chris Dunn?" You know, like look at how that that draft drops off after you went, "Oh, it's Simmons, it's Ingram," and then I don't know because nobody else really ever got you excited. And maybe Jalen ends up being the best guy and. That's terrific, but you can't just do, like, look at the Wizards. They've got a one, a three, and a three. Wall, Beal, Otto Porter, and Markeith. Phoenix, now, I I can't even count Tyson Chandler here. He's the second pick, but he's 35. But they've got a fourth and Bender, Josh Jackson, a rookie at five, Alex Lenz, a five, Marquise Chris is an eight. Brandon Knight didn't play this year. Um Alfred Payton, who they grabbed this year, is 10th. Uh, Devin Booker, who's their best player, is 13th, and then T.J. Warren's a 14th. So the point is, is that if you want to tell me a team's really good, just because their draft picks were high, I'm going to be able to give you 10 or I stopped doing it. It was boring. The Charlotte one's the best though. I mean, eight picks and I I screw up Frank Kaminsky's name all the time. I always give him an extra syllable. Kaminsky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, um, little, little side project there. Does that. Would you have said, Hey, good segment or we'll put that on the podcast if I were still hosting a radio show? That would
1: have been maybe like the back end of an hour segment. That would
0: have been a bonus. Yeah. Bonus.
1: Yeah. But it made the show, but you know, not, not a lead
0: or maybe no, I don't think I would have opened that would have been one of those. See how good of a segment that was. I did all this work and then somebody'd go, Yeah, you kind of lost me once you got to the Charlotte thing. Malik Monk went 11th. Oh, that was, that's super interesting, Ryan. Okay. Speaking of the draft. So now as we gear up for what could happen in the lottery here, and I'm fascinated at the prospects of what he, what, what uh, what Phoenix is going to do here. Because when you think back in Phoenix, you go, has Ryan McDonough done a very good job? And you would say, well, at this point, no, he hasn't. Um, I respect Ryan. I think he is really good, but it just hasn't happened for him. Now, is he atrocious at this or kind of like Orlando? And I'm going to lean on Cerruti here a bit. I went through Each of their drafts, going back to 2013, basically when they've always been in the lottery here, except for the Sabonis pick that was traded two years ago. But can you pull up the 2017 draft back there, Saruti, and do this along with me? Is that possible?
1: Yes, pulling it up now. Hold on. Let's see. Wow, hard mic adjustment.
0: 2017, 2017. Okay, what do you need? Okay, so pull up two thousand seventeen. Give me the first round in order. I'm not asking you to recite it because that wouldn't that wouldn't even make this podcast. Okay. Okay. Twenty
1: seventeen, which would have been last year.
0: Twenty seventeen. Okay. So um so we know it's Foltz. Fultz, no, Ball, Tatum, yep. uh, Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac. Yes. Okay, so Orlando nice. Orlando takes Jonathan Isaac, love the pick, still don't know. But what you have to do sometimes when you're looking at teams is you have to go, is the guy making the call terrible, or is that kind of who they were stuck drafting? You know? Like, not every third pick is created equal here. Not every seventh pick is created equal. The 2017 draft is going to go down as one of the great ones in history. I believe that. And we're going to go, how the hell did Donovan Mitchell go here? We still don't even know what's going to happen with Dennis Smith Jr. You know, Tatum going three, some of the stuff. I like the Aaron Fox Jackson, still a question mark. Isaac's, I think, could still be good. Laurie Markkinen, you know, there's there's some good stuff in this draft. And the more I'm looking at 18, and I'll do this later, I'm wondering if this is going to be great or a disaster. Like I feel like this is feast or famine. There's the just more so I, many bigs, and I who, I don't even know if any of them are good. I got
1: Bamba scares the crap out of me. Bagley scares me.
0: It's deep with potential. <laughs> But I'm starting to do all my synergy stuff now and writing my own scouting reports for it. And, like, last year I used to get so excited. I go, you got to be kidding me. Like, how is this guy going to end up at 12, you know? And I'm not telling you like I knew about Donovan Mitchell, but you would look at yeah. certain guys going, I'm running out of slots and I still have this guy on the board. This year it feels like a bunch of guys that I was supposed to be excited about. But I also could see the 2018 draft looking back in three years going, dude, everybody sucked. Um, Doncic, by the way, more work I do on him. I'm going to get it out there first. White James Harden. You know what? Because of the non-athleticism thing? Yep, it's a little slow. It's deliberate. The way he plays um, screen and roll, kind of getting himself ready into the shot. But also Harden, you know, the thing about him that I love hey, is hard. Shouts out,
1: pa- shout out to you for not sending Tony coach, by the way.
0: No, I try super hard to do white-black <laughs> comps. Yeah. Oh, you know, he reminds me of a taller Ginobili. He's kind of like a black Bobby Sura. <laughs> I'm going to try to do that in Hoop Streams tonight. See if, that would be so good. Yeah, because we're get, you know we're we'll be doing it, like, who does he remind you? Kind of like, like a black Bobby Sura, although Bobby Sura reminds me of a black Bobby Sura. <laughs> that's so true. that's, do you know anything about Bobby Sura? I know Bobby Sura, yeah. Come on, dude. What are you, like four? Yeah. I
1: mean, like, I don't know a ton about him. I mean, so you I, were locked in early. Well, I wasn't locked in. I just know him. I, I know of him. I know kind of, I don't, I can't tell you a ton of facts about him, but. I know who Bobby
0: Sir is. <laughs> you don't have a ton of Bobby Sir facts. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. No, check them out for the youngsters. Listen to the pod, rate, review, and subscribe. And we got to. Uh, I, I'm running into way too many people that don't know about the podcast, and the numbers are really good, and I'm happy about that. But they could be so much bigger, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm shocked at the number of people still reaching out to me all the time, going, "Can't wait until you're back on the air somewhere." And I'm like, "Well, i have been doing a pod almost every week since I left the radio show. I went and bought um some stuff at Nike the other day and the guy was like, "No way, no way." You know, talking it out. He was asking me NBA questions. I bought a pair of shoes that now I actually regret buying. Um don't Nikes? like them at all. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Big Nike guy over here and I bought a pair of free runners that I really liked the look of them and then I worked out in them and I went, eh. "I think they have some new return policy. I try not to be difficult." with nike but uh um, we'll see what happens so then i went to throw him the credit card he goes can i just see an id and i'm like "Ha ha, ha, ha. he goes no I'm store policy i was like you just said hey are you ryan rusillo we just talked about the nba for five minutes hey rules are rules dude rules are rules and i didn't i didn't like give him anything for it i go all right cool i like this but at the same time that was kind of weird like that doesn't happen a ton where you go oh hey you're this guy yes i am okay cool and then he's like i need i need to see an id I was like you were a stickler. He was also wearing skin tight tights. He was in great shape. Only or see, like basketball only. No, no, oh, no. Man. What no. kind of shirt? Kind of like a zip up. So, I got to tell you I liked it. Below the waist or like was nope. that all oh, out? Oh, no. All no. out. Okay. I did it once at the gym and I went, I don't think I'm going to do this. Cuz I love
1: I love the, the I love the tights. I love the, the you know, the compression pant or whatever like not all those NBA guys where I wear those even though I look like an idiot cuz I'm not jacked, but I think that's cool, but I I also wear shorts with them, but I don't just wear them by themselves. Like that's like a to situation.
0: Yeah, the to to could pull it off, but he also did There's a guy, sure. yeah, Steroid Rick back in Connecticut used to wear white tights. Oh man! And the thing is, if you start sweating through white tights and you're giving it your all, I mean, you get a real man river going on, you know, and you're just like, like, is any chick attracted to that? Now there's some. There's probably some that are like. Who? Into that. I don't know. Yeah. No, I bet you there's, there's one girl listening right Steroid now. Steroid Rick
1: like, is an incredible name, nickname, by the way.
0: I don't know if, I think there was a time where I thought he knew we were calling him Steroid Rick on the show. And then he's seriously the greatest dude ever. And I would take pictures of him with him and send it to my other buddies because they'd be like, can you ever take a picture of Steroid Rick? And I go, fine. And the thing is, is it's all allegedly. So that might be the reason why I haven't always, like, I didn't want to say right to his face. You know I call you Steroid Rick on the show. He's just always in a good mood. He'd be like, Solo, tell me about, tell me about your what, what was your last road trip? Tell me about it." You know, he's married. He's got a couple kids, turning wrenches, and I'd just be like, "What? You know, oh, you went to Aspen? Oh man, Dumb and Dumber." <laughs> and I didn't, and I didn't know that. By the way, Dumb and Dumber filled in Breckenridge. Interesting. So, you know, if you're out in Aspen and you've had a few pops in you and you start talking to some lady after a couple runs down the slopes and you go, man, now being here, I can totally see some of the things I saw in the movie. She's going to go, you're a poser. Um, and forget it. So back to, uh, Orlando and Phoenix and their draft stuff. Okay. So or- Orlando takes Isaac, like who after him and we could do the Mitchell thing. And I don't, I hate, it had such local radio stuff. We used to do that all the time. We're like, Oh, The Celtics have the 22nd pick, and they could have had Mano Ginobili. And you just go, everybody could have had him, man. Like, figure it out. The world missed on Mano Ginobili. Like, you can't do this all the time. So, if any fan base or any local talk show is going, oh, we could have had Spider Mitchell, could have. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but clearly people were just off in the evaluation there. (laughs) And it was even better that Patino didn't think he was ready. What Um, was the knock on him? No. Like, what, what? Combo, but combo's not that bad. I mean, athletically, in the way he drived to the hoop and that kind of stuff, when you go back and watch it, you go, man, this is really good. Um, the shot was, I wouldn't say broken, but I don't think people thought he'd shoot it as well as he did, even though his shot fell off a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's some guys athletically, once they get to the NBA and the way it plays out, like their athleticism becomes more of an asset in a more open approach than say a rigid style and Louisville's you know a bit rigid I would say so yeah I I think people just kind of looked at him as like is he is he crazy crazy athletic like he was pretty good but I don't know I feel like sometimes you're like oh he's not Westbrook you go dude nobody is nobody is all right so I've spent too much time on this so yeah Mitchell Kuzma whatever everybody missed on Kuzma too even though he lit up the combine so don't let anybody tell you the combine's totally pointless because that's not fair is it the greatest hoops no is some of it pointless? Yes. But can guys show up and do their thing? Absolutely. TJ McConnell was paired up defensively against this foreign kid, and I've never heard from this foreign kid enough, or uh, ever again. TJ McConnell just performed exorcism on this kid, and I've never heard from him since. McConnell, the kid couldn't bring the ball up, and he didn't want to go in in the second half. Um, all right. Man, I'm sorry. I'm t- wasting too much time. So Orlando, 17 Isaac. Okay. 2016, that was the Sabonis pick. Um right yes yep when you look back on that they gave up a lot for Serge but then again Oladipo you know Oladipo was average for four years and then he was he was worse with Oklahoma City and then his PER went from 13 with OKC to 23 with the Pacers uh 15 you just kind of miss out so pull up 2015 it goes uh Towns Russell Okafor (laughs) and then it's Perzingis and Philly should have taken Persingis, but Hinky was beside himself with anger that he couldn't get a workout with him because they didn't want him to end up in Philly, because everybody thought Philly was a joke back then. So that's a scary one. Although if they get Perzingis, do they end up with Simmons so we can play that game? Um So then at Herzogna you're going, All right. Like after that, what is it, Moutier? Like, I hated Moutier.
1: Yes, and I remember people saying, "Hey, they should have taken Justice Winslow." Like you know, right? And, and he's Winslow, or you want? He's kind of been a disaster to this point too.
0: Winslow, I'm still hoping, holding out hope a little bit, but he's probably going to be this guy that's a little frustrating. That there'll be certain nights that remind you of why people are excited about him. But so the point is, like Orlando, you go all right. So then before that, Hazonia. Then it's Aaron Gordon at four in 2004. That was another one
1: where like they just missed out on, on what what people thought was the top few picks.
0: Right, so do you have that draft? I do. Okay, go, go through the top and then go a couple behind him. That's Wiggins, Parker, and right. B. Okay, so when you stop there, you go, damn it. Like my point that I'm making is that Orlando, it's not like Rob Hennigan sucks, it's that a lot of times they just sort of landed in the slot that sucked. <laughs> They've been incredibly
1: unlucky. Now, again, right. in that draft, they also traded up and traded another first-round pick to get Alfred Payton, which is another disastrous move.
0: Right. So they took Payton there. I didn't really get that one, but people were really high on him because of his defense. They thought he was well, going to be a defensive-changing type of point guard. I can't believe. I mean, this is going to sound, old, but I just can't imagine he'd want to play basketball with his hair like that.
1: Yeah, it's I got. I don't understand. It's got to get in the way. It must weigh you down. I mean, yeah. It's insane, but then again, remember that that was uh, Hinky fleeced the Magic too because they, I think, what the Sixers were at ten, and I, for, I the word was, and you'd know this better than I would, but apparently, like that the Magic really wanted Albert Payton, so the Sixers basically fleeced him into giving up another first-round pick, and they ended up with Dario Saric, who's the better, yeah, player, that's, who's
0: the better player anyway. That's the that's the Saric. Um, okay, all right. So I just got the okay on a on a on a text that I've been waiting for, and this is super important. So Phoenix, by the way, they go Josh Jackson, the Dragon Bender, Devin Booker, TJ Warren, Alex Len. Like the Alex Len drafts, another one you go, I don't know. There were guys that went ahead of, you know, the same thing with the Ola Depot thing. So my whole point is, is like you could sit there and say Rob Hennigan or Ryan McDonough are terrible at their jobs. I don't, the evidence would tell you they haven't done a good job because we keep track of wins and losses here. But ultimately, a lot of this has more to do with like, where do you land? Do you land in the... Does the lottery go your way in the year it needs to go your way? And that has probably told the fortunes of GMs and franchises more than any skill. Okay, Um I got the go-ahead here from Carissa Thompson to tell the story. So I got to do it in about 15 minutes, which will lead oh, to follow-up wow. questions. Right. So I'm living at Carissa Thompson's house. Uh, we are just very close friends before everybody goes down that road. Although I have an awesome name-dropping thing to pull this around and her place is in Malibu and uh, you know, everybody knows that already anyway. And a stalker was there. So what happened was she's gone. The first night I was there by myself, I came back, I went down the street to grab some food. I come back, I parked my car on PCH. I walk towards her house and the house is, you know, right there on the water, like all the houses out there and it's sick. And as I'm walking to the gate to be able to open the gate, the motion lights start going on and they flick. And then all of a sudden I see this dude. This dude is standing there, late 30s, white, kind of sloppy, but not homeless sloppy, but just, you know, baggy jeans, hoodie, uh, mesh hat, dad shoes, and a big red suitcase. And I noticed immediately like a bright white baggage claim tag. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And we have the video of it too. So I went back and watched all the video. He's like, hey, how's it going? He's totally calm. I'm like, hi, uh, I'm Ryan. I was like, are you looking for Carissa? And he goes, yeah, I'm staying with her. I'm like, you're staying with her? I was like, well, I'm staying with her. And he goes, well, all right. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, look, I don't know everybody in Chris's life. We're pretty close, but there's plenty of people in my life she doesn't know. I don't know everyone in her life. So I'm thinking, is it a weird cousin? Is it like a guy she knows that's like hooked on opioids like this is kind of weird because he's a little sloppy he doesn't look like somebody to be hanging out in malibu and staying at chris's house for a week and he goes no no he's like i flew in um i'm here to surprise her for her birthday and her birthday actually was that week and i went all right well you know i'm, I'm trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt even though it's really weird and she's not even there she's going to be gone for like a week and the whole point was i was i was going to be house sitting and I'm thinking, well, Caruso definitely would have told me if somebody was staying here. Because I'll admit there was even a half a second where I was really selfish about it, where I go, "Oh, dude, this guy looks like he sucks. Like, I gonna have to watch a game with him or something tomorrow night, or like, get a <laughs> meal. Very much. He, like, he doesn't. He doesn't have a car. Like, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Like, I was gonna do writing solo Malibu Ryan time. Like, I don't want to hang out with this dude. And then I, I'm thinking... I'm, you know, I'm just looking and I'm sizing him up and I'm going, what? He goes, call her. (laughs) I'm like, okay. like, you want me to call her? He goes, yeah. I was like, what's your name? He goes, Todd. Todd Poole. I go, P-O-O-L-E. Yeah. So I call Carissa, no answer. I text Todd Poole, question mark, no response. I know she's not going to get back to me. It's late. She's been traveling, the whole deal. So then I asked, when have you talked to her? he's like, well, you know, he goes, uh, yeah, you know. And he, he was like vague about it. And I go, can I see your phone? I go, I want to see Carissa's contact in your phone. I want to see that the number you have is her number. And then he says, well, I've never talked to her on the phone. Dun, dun, dun. Bummer. So now I'm thinking, okay, what is the next possible step before this guy is going to be in the danger zone here? And I go, how have you talked to Carissa what has gotten you to the point where you think it's okay to be waiting outside of her house by yourself and she's never talked to you on the phone and he said well I've been messaging with her on Instagram or Instagram messages and now I'm going well I watch catfish with Neve Max this poor sucker got so catfished by a fake Carissa account that he flew here or drove here or whatever And he thinks it's suitcase unpacking time. So I asked, let me see your phone. And I want to see the DMs because I think maybe I can help you out. And then he says, well, it's actually not DMs. It's just the messages that she posts. I can tell that she's talking to me. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So at this point, I was not confrontational at all. I was standing in this area where there's a little bit of a drop off the ledge. And so I thought, okay, if this is going to get weird, just make sure you're not towards this ledge. If he runs at you, just turn a little bit to the side. Cars are zipping by, you know, left and right, but no one would ever see you. No one would ever see anything that would happen. Like people would be going by too fast. It's not like a neighborhood where all of a sudden they would go, there's a struggle outside. So I go, wait a minute, you've never talked to her? You've never DM'd with her. You've had no communication with her whatsoever. And here you are, you're standing outside of her house with a suitcase waiting to stay for her for the week, stay, stay with her for the week. And he says, look, man, total shot in the dark. I flew in from Canada because I just got to LAX, you know, took a bus up here. You know, I just, it's her birthday. I I figured, I figured I was just going to go for it, man. And the thing is, is this whole time he's kind of calm despite the fact and not that I'm Captain America. But you would have thought most people, but again, most people wouldn't have put themselves in this position in the first place, which I always have to remind myself if I played out all these scenarios so much, is that he was okay just explaining himself the entire time and not being afraid that I was there. So once that happened, I was like, okay, I'm now I'm kind of pissed and now I just, I just got to get him out of here. You don't have to hit him. You don't have to do anything like that. Just he needs to be gone and try to leave a little something in his head. So I go, "Look, man, the problem you have right now is I'm her boyfriend and I'm actually a cop too. And I'm not on duty obviously. I don't want to make this night worse for you than it could be, but you need to you need to get the hell out of here. Like don't ever ever come back here. Don't hang outside girls' houses by them. Like do you know how scary it is what you're doing? So I'm I'm not losing it. In the video it's it's pretty funny because I'm just start you can see like my hand movements I start getting a little bit more like, dude, you're going to be kidding me. And he goes, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm sorry. I messed up. I, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, you know, he goes, you know, just was, was going to just shoot my shot. I go, no, no, you weren't. I go, don't, don't do stuff like this. And I go, I'm not going to call the cops on you. And I go, actually, you keep putting your hands in your pockets. And this is where like the movies watching too many TV shows kicked in. I'm thinking, Hey, can you take your hands out of your pockets right now? Cause he had this weird gut that I couldn't figure out if it was a gut or if there was something in there. Or what? And then he kept taking his hands out. He's like, look, man. He's like, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I'm just, you know, I'm just here. I screwed up. I go, how did you find the house? He goes, oh, you know, I saw our car. I was on the bus. And I said, let me off here. And I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I go, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't work that way. There aren't trolleys where there's a guy going, just pull the cord when you see a stop. And this isn't a stop. So you got to bounce. So he starts rolling his roller bag down the street. I followed behind a little bit, and then the place that I thought he may have gone to, I followed up there about 10, 15 minutes later to check and see if he was gone because I didn't want this guy lurking around the neighborhood the whole time. And I asked, hey, was there a guy here? And the valet guys are like, yeah, there was a dude who sat on this bench for 10 minutes, and he took a cab, and the cab came and picked him up, and, and he was gone. Uh, we saw the video after the fact, and it's really – it sucks. The guy showed up probably an hour before I got there. He was checking all the doors. He was checking the handles. He was moving around flower pots trying to find a key to open the door. Um and, you know, I'm sharing this with you because Carissa already shared it, and we've talked about it so much, and I just feel so bad for my friend, and kind of that thing that I alluded to last week where you just go, you know, as a guy, you don't ever really think about how much this sucks because it doesn't we can have people that bug us. I've had guys that annoy the hell out of me. I've had guys that have followed me around all night long, but it's just different when we're talking about a, a, a guy and it's a, and it's a woman's house. And I don't know what's going to happen. We're hoping to find this guy just to make sure that he doesn't live in the area. I think that's the thing that, that we're most worried about. But here's the lighthearted part that is also maybe the meanest thing. And I'm going to name drop Chris Long here again. So Chris and I talked about it. And then he said, you know, I can't... Like a lot of people are like, I can't believe you didn't just beat him up. And I go, you don't understand this. You don't understand... What it's like to be in this moment until it actually happens, and so everybody wants to be a tough guy. Everybody wants to be Rambo. Oh, I would have done. I've had a few friends being like, "Dude, you didn't hit him," and I'm like, you don't, you don't get it. You start from: Is it a cousin? Is it a weird friend? Is it somebody who said, "Oh, Carissa said, look me up," and, and she's thinking, "Oh my God, yeah." Like you say, "Hey, yeah, sometime I'm in town. Look me up." And this guy, like, really looked her up. No, he found out where she lived and showed up to the house. So, Chris was saying, you know, in the video. Would anything embarrassing happen? I go, no, no, not at all. I go, you know, imagine what if what if it did get confrontational, and then I got my rear end handed to me by the stalker. I'm like, that would have been very good. And he goes, well, that's not the most unrealistic thing. <laughs> I go, wait a minute. <laughs> so, and I, I knew as soon as he said it. I go, well, what are, you, what are you saying? He's like, well, dude, if anybody had ever got out that you said to him that you were her boyfriend, like people would just laugh at you. <laughs> And I was like, really, huh? He goes, well, dude, he's like, she's a dime. Like, no offense to you, but. It was (laughs) you're okay, but. Yeah, and then I was like, really? I go, you don't think that, like, attractive girls would like me or something? He goes, no, no, dude. And then he started trying to walk it back a little bit. Like, (laughs) He's like, no, you're a solid seven and a half, which means he thinks I'm like a four. And he goes, I know you're in good shape and, you know, whatever. He's like, but I wouldn't say you're good looking. And I went, no, I got it. That's fine. And, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and go, Ugh. but I was like the whole, I go, that's not just a like, I'm, we're talking the whole total package, pay his own car note, multiple careers going on at the same time, you know, you've been, Saruti's been around me, you know, there's not, there's, I would, I would like to say that the best version of me is pretty good. Yeah. You know, you're clean, you, you, you have expensive <laughs> taste, you like nice food. Right. Like I have, I didn't know all the stuff. Like when I took a girl out to PF Chang's when I was 31, I thought I was killing it. And there's guys right now (laughs) listening going, what's wrong with PF Chang's? And you just, you got to stay in the game long enough to learn certain moves and certain things. And there's just things that are going to impress girls a lot more. And I think I've, I've kind of over the years mastered like which lane to go and which lane not to go. And he was just destroying me as I'm telling this story story about a stalker. Uh He, he just he was like totally going man, you know, good thing he goes, good thing that didn't get out. And you know what I did did uh, as I stutter through this thing here at the end? What I just did was I outed myself on the whole thing. So anyway, I wanted to share that story with you, not for a because uh, I don't really do anything. You know, I, this isn't. It'd be a lot cooler if I. I don't know if it would have been cooler because then there would have been something where he could have said, oh, this guy was walking down the street and he just jumped me. And then, you know, somebody cops show up and they go, hey, this isn't even your house. I'm like, no, I'm house sitting. And they'd be like, Carissa Thompson. Yeah, right, bro. <laughs> Chris Long and the cop. Don't believe. Yeah. It. Chris Long and the cop. They don't care. But Yeah. All I mean, right. It could have been like, listen, like it could have been way worse than than what it was. What and we try to do is we try to say that of all the scenarios the best one happened. All right, can we do this cuz I got to bounce to go tape hoop streams. You can do a full string of follow-ups later on. Boom. Okay. All right everybody, be safe out there and we will be live from Chicago for Silo Show Podcast. Subscribe and get other people to subscribe. Let's make this thing like a virus that you like.